0: to the Fantasy Fam Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Chris, coming at you from Rain Man Studios here in Northern Jersey. On the mic with my brother, Sven, and our cousin, Keeley. Each passing moment brings us closer to draft day. The true start of preseason football is finally upon us as we inch closer to the start of the illustrious NFL season. The truth is... You can't handle the truth! However, in tonight's episode... We each lawyer up and represent ourselves as we put a stake in the ground, make a statement, and provide opinion, fact, and data on why we believe it to be true. These are strictly the opinions of the fantasy fam, and therefore cannot be argued or claimed erroneous. (laughs) Who are we kidding? The point here is to spark debate and to create a discussion amongst ourselves and for you. Defend your argument, be it draft strategy, offensive scheme, athlete, team dynamic, whatever's clever. Just don't throw out a plethora of evidence like Pee-wee did when his bike was stolen. It was Francis. End of story. Kyle, please do us the honor of kicking this off. Court is in session.
1: Let's hear it. Wow. Okay, first off, fantastic start to the ep- to this episode. It was um, Francis, though. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so this concept was uh, created because of my favorite show of all time, which is How I Met Your Mother. And every time Marshall says something, every time he makes a point, makes a statement, backs it up, he always finishes it with lawyered. Because he's a lawyer, and he does not based wouldn't on- have been my first choice. Yeah. I, have, I thought you would have okay. said it's- Judy or Lawyer. No, no, no. Or something. Every, every, time, every time Marshall <laughs> says it, he says lawyered. So anyway, that's, that's where it came from. My first statement, okay? Both of mine are statements. They're not opinions. I believe they are fact. Um, my first one is that I'm going to back up the fact that your first two picks this draft season should both be running backs. Okay. Both of them should be running backs. And here's why. Let me get into this. Okay. I think you should draft a running back early and often. Let's go back to 2018. The finishes at the running back position. All of these players, except for one, two, three, except for three of them were picked outside of the first two rounds. Okay. And that was James Conner, who, to be fair, he filled in for Lev, who would have finished in the top 12, who was also drafted, you know, Lev Bell was drafted in the first, would have been drafted in the first round. Okay. Um, the second one is, is uh, Tariq Cohen, because in PPR formats, he has such a value at, you know, because of his reception totals. Um, and James White, again, reception totals. So his role in that New England offense, you know, it's continuous since this year as well. Other than that, though, Saquon, CMC, Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, Joe Mixon, Kareem Hunt, oh, and Dave Johnson. All players, all running backs, who went in the top 24 picks of the draft last year. All of them finished as top 20, uh, was it top 20 running backs? Top 12 running backs, sorry. Top 12 running backs, okay. Look, I know there are plenty of people out there who will say that there are, there are running backs in the third, fourth, fifth undrafted territory that could finish in the top 12 at the position. They are wrong, okay? Very there rare. Are, yeah, it is very rare, okay? Yes, Philip Lindsey finished as running back 13 or 14 PPR formats, and he wasn't drafted. Yes, there are outliers. I'm not disputing the outliers. That being said, if you want to have an edge up on the field in fantasy football, you need, and I stress the word need, you need... Top tier running backs. Wide receivers can be found anywhere. Wide receivers from round six through undrafted finish in the top 12 quite often, actually. Okay, the only running backs in the first two rounds who didn't finish in the top 20. Let's go through them. Le'Veon Bell, he didn't play. Sorry. (laughs) Leonard Fournette, he missed eight games. Dalvin Cook, he missed five games and he still finished in the top 30 running backs, which has a little bit of merit in its own. Devonta Freeman, he missed 14 and a half games. Okay. 14 running backs were drafted in the first two rounds ADP-wise last year, and only four of them finished outside the top 20. Okay? That's pretty important. Now let's go to the difference between running back one finished last year and running back 12 finished last year compared to wide receiver one versus wide receiver 12. Last year, DeAndre Hopkins finished as the number one wide receiver, and Keenan Allen finished as number 12. There was a 73-point difference between the two in PPR. Running backs, Saquon finished as number one, Kareem Hunt finished as number 12. There was a 156 point difference between the two of them. That is double plus some difference between wide receiver one and 12 and between running back one and 12. That shows how big it is to have a top tier running back. And if you can get two of them, that shows how big it can be to have that, that double of, you know, success and double um, you know, advantage on the field. Okay, let's look at some third round and fourth round wide receivers that you can, if you don't draft DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, any of them. Let's look at some third and fourth round wide receivers that are going in in PPR leagues right now. T.Y. Hilton, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Amari Cooper, Julian Edelman, the entire wide receiver core for the Rams, Chris Godwin, and Kenny Galladay. All wide receivers, I have my top 20, yet I can get them in the fourth round. It's... I, I can't stress it enough that having a top tier running back or two is unbelievably important. And I think this year is more than most where you do. I will go every, almost every single time I will go running back, running back in those first two rounds because what I rather have, let's, let's say I'm in the later part of this first round. Would I rather have Dalvin cook and James Connor as my running backs, or would I rather have Rashad Penny and Darius guys? Okay.
0: That's a yeah. Tough one.
1: yeah. awful. That's my my point. Is that sounds it's, good potential? But yes. yeah, I know there are people who are saying, "Well, I'd love to get, the, I want to get the best value." And yes, if Julio Jones and Michael Thomas are both there, or if Julio Jones and Odell Beckham are both there, well, yeah, I'm not sure. debating that. <laughs> what I'm telling you is, is that your third, fourth, fifth round running backs then are going to have a huge disadvantage compared to those first round and second round running backs. So, I end my rant.
0: I have a question for you. Sure. Did you deploy this strategy last year? I'd have to think about that.
1: Um, or at least try to. Yes. Most situations I did. I am a huge running back early fan. Sometimes it comes back to haunt me when I try to go running back, running back, running back, and then beyond, because I do love loading up on those uh, top end running backs. But yes, most years I do that. And I can tell you that one idea, one uh, example comes to mind is two years ago, I went best player available, wide receiver, wide receiver. And I finished in like third to last, I think. <laughs> So I had Julio and Michael Thomas. I mean, literally, what could have gone wrong there? I had two of the best wide receivers in the league that year. And I still finished in third to last because if you don't get that top tier running back or those two top tier running backs in those first three rounds. Uh, you're screwed. You're done. I'm sorry. I know plenty of people say they can bargain hunt. You can't. You, not, you, for you, that. Not, for, not for the difference. Especially the difference. Yes, you can find a Phillip Lindsey. You can find a Arian Foster when he came into the league. I, I get it. That being said, it's very difficult and it, it's few and far between.
0: And the reason I asked you that too, is because I remember discussing this and I didn't think you were as adamant last year, but last year, to your point, the top running backs being drafted finished as the top running backs at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to wait until it's my turn, not to disagree because I think you have a ton of valid points actually from the other perspective as how you can play the field, if you will. I don't want to, it's not my turn. I don't want to jump again. Well said, though.
2: I like it, which brings to, to my point, that I, a situation that I try to avoid. I don't know about you guys, but running back by committee, RBBC, whatever you want to call it. So running back by committee. Now, obviously, there's a bunch of teams out there. Now, there's there's four in particular that I broke down. And it's funny to look at, especially where most of these guys are actually going. So, I mean, you, you have these questions. Who's, who's going to get the ball more on the ground? Who's going to be in the passing game? I mean, is it a legit timeshare? Like, what, what is going on in this backfield? Now, obviously, there's going to be a clear-cut starter. But does that mean that he's going to get the most, you know, shares of the actual backfield? So, some teams that come to mind, I'll just name them really really quick and then get a little bit more in depth. But San Francisco, New England, Philadelphia, Chicago, Those are four teams that stand out to me as far as a committee goes. Now you look at the actual ADPs of some of these players. So you got San Francisco, you got Tevin Coleman, who's going sixth round, Jarek McKinnon, 10th round, late 10th round, Matt Breda, who's going in the 13th round by, by the end of the season, Matt Breda could be the number one running back on that team. Injuries happen. Depth chart changes. I mean, performance, you know, trades like it's, the, the question marks that come with running back by committees now obviously if tevin coleman ends up being your first running back then holy crap you won you didn't listen to kyle over there because you obviously <laughs> didn't you obviously didn't draft a running back with your first couple picks okay there's, there's you, draft, you could win with tevin coleman as your running back three not your running back one that's my point what, exactly exactly but what I, I guess what i'm getting at is that obviously some of these guys you're going to take a chance like okay you're going to take a chance on jared mckinnon but if you are waiting and you're like, oh, I'm going to get one of these guys later on, you know, he's going to be, he'll, he'll get involved. He's going to get involved. Like those question marks are what really bother me about it. And I don't want to go into the season know, not knowing what, what, I, what I don't know. So New England is another one, another very interesting situation. And the reason being is because they drafted Damian Harris. Why did they do that? You had a great thing with Sonny Michelle, James White, who was a PPR monster last year. Now, James White is going in the fourth round. Could be good late fourth. You, you never know. You, obviously, they still want to get him involved because he is. I mean, you could say he's probably one of the best, if not the best, receiving back in the NFL right now. Now, Sonny Michelle's going around later, a couple more picks later in the fifth. Do you really want to invest a fifth round pick in Sonny Michelle where he's going to be your running back too? So, okay, so you got guys like, I mean, this particular section actually is kind of gross of the actual draft, depending on how you look at it. So around the same area as Sonny Michelle, you're looking at DJ Moore, Andrew Luck, OJ Howard, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. I mean, obviously, if quarterbacks aren't taken a lot higher, depending on your league, but this is, you know, obviously based on ADP, fantasy uh, calculator. Tyler Boyd, Jarvis Landry, like those players are going around where Sonny Michelle is. So if you want to take him, okay, but just to see the other talent that's also out there. Now, they also have Damian Harris, who is getting work right now because Sonny Michel is sidelined, and apparently he's looking pretty good. I mean, it's just we, – we don't know, and especially New England because they like to keep things very hush-hush. Uh, you also have Rex Burkhead, who's still there, who could get. And then you got the fullback. What is it? Kyle K- Jus- Jus- Jusick or whatever. How do you say his name?
1: He's not their fullback. James Devlin's their fullback, isn't
2: it? James Devlin. There you go. My bad. I'm thinking he's of the guy from the Florida Niners. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. James Devlin. Anyway, it, the, guy the guy can vulture. The guy touchdowns. Another team that I'm completely avoiding, one, because I'm a Cowboys fan, is the Philadelphia Eagles. Jordan Howard, you listen to the show, you know exactly how I feel about him. I'm not going to get into it. Miles Sanders, who apparently is killing it right now in preseason. Like, he is performing very well. They're saying he's the best runner. Best, he's the shiftiest runner they have on the team. But then again, they're also saying reports that Jordan Howard looks the best. So that's two mouths to feed right there. They also have Darren Sproles. I'm not saying Darren Sproles is, is that, you know what I mean? Like, but he's still going to get involved. You also have Corey Clement. They have, they have a plethora of running backs. Now, obviously not all these guys are going to get opportunities, but that situation, I mean, Jordan Howard, eighth round, Miles Sanders, seventh, you could get so much more value around the draft with those guys. Now Chicago Tariq Cohen, Mike Davis, David Montgomery, and holy crap, Corderell Patterson. What I Just read reports the other day that they're actually using him, and he looks—he looks, he looks fast—is what they said. Yeah. Well, he's always been fast. <laughs> he's literally been fast since he came, since he started playing football. So, so. so it's—it's just—it's.
0: I have his Vikings jersey.
2: David Montgomery's going in the fourth round, early fourth rookie, who is I guess you could say could be the starter. But Mike Davis looked pretty good with Seattle last year. Um, they obviously picked him up for a reason, but then they go and draft David Montgomery. Uh, so the fourth round, he's going in the fourth round around players such as Brandon Cooks, Mark Ingram, Robert Woods, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin. I mean, there are so many other players that you know for a fact are going to perform. Whereas David Montgomery, you're investing in that. He's going to be part of that committee with Tariq Cohen. Uh, Mike Davis will get his fill too. So it's I, I personally would rather spend that draft pick on someone I know. Like give me, give me Brandon Cooks, who's never – not gone over a thousand yards in his, in his five seasons in the NFL running back by committees are definitely something to warrant. Obviously, like I said before, injuries, you know, trades, I mean, performance it's, it's going to happen. Like we're going to figure it out eventually by, I mean, hell it could be figured out by like the third week. I mean, Tevin Coleman could get hurt. Jerick McKinnon could get hurt. Matt Breda steps in. We're looking at a running back two potential running back one upside, but you don't know. So it's whether or not you're willing to spend a, I mean, an, an early draft pick on a guy where he may not get that much opportunity. You think he will, but would you rather spend you know, that draft pick on somebody that you know will perform? And that's my case.
1: Avoid running back by committee. Yeah, running back by committee is an interesting one, I think, because I have always said I wanted to avoid them. And then you think on it, like what you kind of just said at the end is that if, if all of them are considered a running back by committee, that means if one of them goes down, then the other person has a clear path and they are talented enough to carry the workload. So, or if they go down, they get suspended, whatever it may be. Like, it kind of makes it interesting because, like, that whole, you know, like the Kalen Balaj and Kenyon Drake or Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon or. But see, know, that's not by committee almost. That's kind of like
2: what's it's, it's, going on. Yeah, that's
1: a what's going on kind of thing. Yeah. But it's it's interesting because if, if the team thinks high enough, highly enough of them and something happens to the. St- to the actual, you know, quote unquote starter, then all of their shares are gonna go directly to that next guy in line who's gonna take over like nothing happened. So with running back by committees, I do like getting the last player on that committee. It's so, t- exactly and that's and then some of these guys aren't even going
2: draft. The cheapest. Like, yeah, the cheapest one. But I mean Mike Davis could turn out to be the best running back on the Bears. We don't, we don't yeah. know. I mean, obviously it's are looking towards David Montgomery, but but you you see the point that I'm trying to make. Agreed.
0: Which is why you need to watch football. You need to keep up with it. This was actually going to be my my second case, but I think you kind of led me, you kind of led me to it, brother. You you held the carrot out and I ran right after it and I'm currently I don't run
1: run after carrots. I run from (laughs) carrots.
0: What's up, Dad?
1: Maybe maybe Um, a Twinkie. Maybe a. a
0: Tons of veggies, no carbs (laughs) in my in my diet during the week, gentlemen. Wow,
2: during the week, I love few
0: carrots. Feels pretty good. It's good for your eyes, you know. Which is why I didn't have glasses until recently for distance. So you're welcome.
2: The the last one in the family. So literally,
0: it took some time, (laughs) and I haven't really worn them because if I fall asleep wearing them. And I might break them or hurt myself. And that's the only real time I need them right now. So I'm dr- driving on occasion. I wear them at night. All night.
2: Oh, the trials and tribulations of glasses, gla- glasses wearers.
0: <laughs> the glasses wear wearers. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to be fluid. Like I advise you all to be during your drift. Okay. So monitor the depth charts. What's going on with certain players? Are they holding out? Are they hurt? Personally, I I watch as much football as possible. Preseason, regular season, college games, everything. Like I truly love watching football. Some prefer stats, which is cool too. I mean, I think you need to mix it up a little bit, right, to be truly successful at this. But as long as you follow updates on players and the depth charts, because what we were just talking about, the depth chart move creates opportunity. Opportunity creates touches. And we all know, we talked about it, opportunity is king in fantasy football, which is why I think preseason football is bigger than most people think. And not a lot of people actually invest time because it's it's next man up mentality. What, what if somebody gets hurt? It's inevitable in football. Someone's always going to get hurt. And it's obviously not the same sport, but the New York Yankees, Talkman, did you see that catch? If you didn't, check it out. The Sea Witch Ursula. I mean, come on meow. Next man up mentality at all times is very successful in all sports. Philip Lindsay was passed over 256 times in the nfl draft last year yes he was not drafted or hyped as as an rb1 he was signed by the broncos and was fourth on the depth chart in the first game of the season by the first game he got 17 touches more than any other running back scored on a pass play week two he had his first 100 yard rushing game he went from no one's heard of him to actually finishing 13 in ppr yes it's more of an anomaly because there weren't a lot of athletes that this happened to, but it actually happened. Love Bell, he was holding out. Reports, reports started to come out right before the season that he was going to sign. I made the mistake. I drafted him. I think he fell in the second round to me on one of my teams, so took the chance. Obviously didn't pan out because I did not, when I get to my other point, reach for James Conner, which seemingly enough was the backup. He finished sixth in PPR.
2: And, he's, and he got hurt.
0: And he got hurt. And he's currently being drafted as a top 15 pick overall this year. This one is a pretty unique situation because he has the history behind him, right? And he plays most of his games in the Dome. He's been around for a long time. Very successful quarterback. Matty Ice Ryan had the worst game of his career week one, right? Everybody knew it. Everybody was talking about it. Everyone's giving up on him. He was dumped in a majority of leagues. If people had him, he wasn't even drafted in one of my leagues. He
1: wasn't drafted in a lot of leagues. Actually. That makes no sense. Crazy. He wasn't crazy. Drafted. Yeah.
0: Do you believe in the Falcons offense? Who's he throwing to? Uh, they had this big upside rookie, Calvin Ridley, uh, Austin Hooper. Oh yeah. Wait, Julio down by the schoolyard Jones. Um, so if you took a chance on him, if after somebody dropped him, he finished. Let's check QB two insane. Here's one that you were discussing brother and the RBBC. It, it is very difficult. The thing is, I like taking a shot at one of them, depending on the offense. If I like the offense, if I like the scheme, the coordinator, Matt Nagy, I think that there's a couple guys there that can eat, like Tariq Cohen, Montgomery, or Davis. One of them gets hurt. We don't know yet, right? That's why you got to watch the preseason. got to see who's going to get the ball, how he looks. Is he elusive? Can he break tackles? Is he running guys over? Is he going to stay healthy? The Patriots last year, something we typically avoid, right? Not last year because they didn't really have a running back. I think their rookie, Michelle, was hurt. Burkhead was hurt. James White actually wound up catching his way to finishing as the seventh running back in PPR. And he, he was barely even usable in the last five games of the season, which goes to show you that if you monitor the depth chart and you saw that Sonny Michel was coming back, you may not have had him on your team, but you may have had somebody else to replace James White with in your lineup for victory. So if you see my theme here, we talked about it, Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon. So who plays if they don't, right? You need to watch and keep up with the teams, the games, ladies and gentlemen.
2: So the waiver, obviously, playing the waiver, I mean, which is, it, it, dr- leagues are not one at the draft. I mean, if you can pick a team where you don't have to pick up anyone. Exactly. <laughs> and
1: well, you are you are a god. Well, that's what makes football a little bit easier <laughs> to play than baseball is because when baseball, you have to follow so many different players, so many different positions. With football, it's a I little bit baseball. easier to know who stands, you know, who gets up in, next in line. It's It's a lot easier that way. Exactly. which
2: no, And the, the way, point. like if you, you said, you know, players like Philip Lindsay, I mean, hell, even Nick Chubb last year. I mean, I picked him up in two leagues. Like I was, I remember yeah. I was out to lunch, literally got the, the message on my phone and I went straight, didn't even like, it didn't even cross a, a every single league I checked. I was like, boom, 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 boom. Where Wait, can I dro- get
1: him? You dropped your sandwich and you went right back to – Honestly, you know, I think that's exactly
2: what I did. I was literally like oh, – I, I was like looking around, but like nobody else was in the, the place. And I'm like, you guys should pick up Nick Chubb. But nobody was there to even talk to. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. You get him. It's fine. Exactly. Like Tyler Boyd, another player last year. The guy mm. – I don't even think anybody even drafted. He wasn't even a mention probably. R- Robbie Anderson, your boy from the Jets. I mean, I think he was drafted but then dropped – be- and then he because he was terrible and then he finished he finished he was the number uh 10 he was the number 10 wide receiver from week 12 to 17 yeah which clearly can obviously help you out cj anderson another one like go yeah, right back well, to your point brother i mean the injuries they happen the the waivers and it, you have you have to play the waiver
0: have to He's
2: going to happen essential. guys are gonna get hurt we hate to say it we don't want it we don't want to see it but it's going to happen i mean the impact of these guys hitting each other is like a, the impact of like a, a car crash. Like that's, that's how forceful these guys are on the field right there. So uh, Jared cook. Oh my God. Another one. I don't even think he was drafted in most leagues. He may have been as an actual flyer. He finished the number five tight end. I mean, tight ends are obviously a very,
1: yeah. It's basically unique watch, position, <laughs> watch the games, keep up, pay attention, actually no football. Who's going to be up next in line. You know, it's, all right. So my my last point, my last idea and my last suggestion. Not suggestion. Let's reword that. No fact. My, fact. my last fact. Okay. I
0: thought you were lawyering up here. I thought you were my lawyering
1: up. Yeah. You poly sci guy. You. I couldn't think of the word. Shut up. My last my last fact is that the Minnesota Vikings will finish as a top five offense. Ooh, top five. Okay.
0: Bold strategy cotton.
1: All right, that is let, me throw some, let me throw some numbers at you, okay? In my own personal projections for this coming season, I have Kirk Cousins in my top 13. I have Dalvin Cook at seven, Thielen at eight, Diggs at 12, and Kyle Rudolph at 13. Okay, so I have all positional players for the Vikings in the top 13 at their position. And that being said, I have two Vikings in the top 12. Okay, two Viking wide receivers in the top 12. Diggs and Thielen are both in my top 12, Okay. Now let's get into the the nitty gritty of this offense. Okay, in 2018 they fired John Filippo uh, in December. Okay, the offense looked kind of all over the place. I'll use my word. They looked anemic. Okay, they add Kevin Stefanski as uh, the offensive coordinator, and he's been a part of the Vikings offense. I don't know if people realize that he's been a part of the Vikings franchise for like 13 years. Okay, he's been there for a very long time. He knows the players. He knows his rapport. Um, he's worked with Zimmer. Okay. So what he basically said in an interview is, I want to pull apart and this entire offense, and I want to build it from the ground up the way I think it should be run, okay? 2018, they finished as the 19th offense with 22.5 points per game, and the 20th offense when it came to yardage at 346 yards per game, okay? Kind of not great for the offensive players I just named, okay? Dalvin Cook missed some time. Kirk, though, is what I'll get into as well, is the fact that Kirk actually finished with really strong numbers that people didn't realize. But under Stefanski, um, in the interim basis from, we, from the last three weeks of the season, um, the biggest thing that stood out to me was the fact that it went from 21.5 rushing attempts per game all the way up to almost 28 rushing attempts per game, okay? This matters, okay? It, didn't, it, it, it also helped that Dalvin Cook at this point was actually healthy, okay? But, if you, um, but they were sixth overall in passing attempts in 2018 with Kirk Cousins. That showed a little bit of upside, the fact that Dalvin Cook was down for parts of the year, but they had still had faith in Kirk Cousins and he was actually sixth in the NFL when it came to passing attempts. Let's go back even further. 2017 under Pat Shermer. They were 11th in total yards in his offense and they were seventh in rushing with 31 attempts per game. That's a lot. Yeah. In those final three games of the season in 2018, they rushed for over 100 yards in all three of those games. Under John DiFilippo in those first 13 games of the season, they only rushed for over 100 yards three times. They have a top five defense going into 2019, some of the best players on defense, one of the best defensive schemes in the entire NFL, which helps an offense. This is the second year with Kirk Cousins as quarterback, okay? It takes time for rapport to build with the quarterback and his positional players. Dalvin Cook is coming back healthy. Their offensive line is building towards a decent offensive line. Are they a top five offensive line? No, but I think they can finish as a top 15 offensive line. That being said, Kirk Cousins, his second year starting in the NFL, almost threw for 5,000 yards, okay? He had 4,900-plus yards, 25 touchdowns, 100 rushing yards, and four touchdowns, okay? He had a great year, his second year as a starting quarterback for the Washington Redskins. This is now his second starting year for the Minnesota Vikings. All those numbers combined, for me, means they're going to put it together. Stefanski is going to put it together as an offensive coordinator. Kirk Cousins, I think by the time the season starts for me, Kirk Cousins will be a top-12 quarterback. I think that Delvin Cook will move up even further for me into the top six of my running backs. Both Fielman and Diggs will remain in my top 12. And Kyle Rudolph, I'm sorry Irv Smith was drafted, but I think Kyle Rudolph still has a very nice role in that offense. They paid him like a top tight end, and he is going to have a responsibility and a role for the Minnesota Vikings. I think, I'm going to put it in the books now, every core member of the Minnesota Vikings will finish top 12 at their position come December. I'm blown. Okay? I'm blown away. Minnesota has an offense that is, for the last year, has just been, we thought this team, that we thought this Vikings team was going to be great. What happened? Why didn't the offense perform like they should have? And it has everything to do in this situation with a, quote-unquote, rookie quarterback for their team in Kirk Cousins, an offensive coordinator which was all over the place. Stefanski, Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, the two wide receivers, and Kyle Rudolph. We're talking about a top five offense this year. And they
2: still, like Adam Thielen, astronomical numbers through the first, like, what, seven weeks, eight weeks. I mean, Stephon Diggs, like he was like quietly, you know, finished like top 20, top, I totally, I mean, it's it's crazy to see. And here's the thing, when he, in his second season in Washington, I mean, he doesn't have the weapons like he has Yeah. in Minnesota. I mean, you're, like you said, you're looking at, Adam Thielen is incredible. Stephon Diggs is incredible. Dalvin Cook, I'm I'm hoping I think he's incredible. I hope he stays healthy.
1: I really do. I, I think want he's him too. I think I think the three of them let's put Rudolph aside. I think the three of them finished top twelve at their position. I think they are all three stars in the league, and I think they carry that offense. But Kirk Cousins is the one. I think Kirk Cousins comes close to 4,500, 4,600 total yards, over 30 plus touchdowns. Um, I have huge faith in that offense this year.
2: He is good, and I was a huge fan of him too when they drafted him. And I was like, you know what? Watch,
1: watch out for this guy. And then obviously they let him go. And yeah, so we'll, let's there. see how much let's see how much flack I get for this one. But I have top five offense.
0: Well, Dalvin Cook obviously has a ton of talent, but he's a chandelier. He's I think he's gotten hurt all the way back to peewee football. I think middle school football, high school, college, he missed a majority of his rookie year towards the ACL last year. He missed five games. Um, and I think their biggest issue, which kind of remains there. I read some articles recently about how it's a vast improved offensive line when they picked up, I don't know, a couple scrap heap guys. And they actually did make a really good draft pick in the first round. I like that pick a lot. I,
1: Because it allowed Eflin to move over to the left guard, actually. So instead of playing Eflin at at center, they actually were able to move him a left guard, which is going to, I think, help the running game, especially in the long run.
0: It'll definitely help. And I think they they need time to gel. They have a ton of athletes. That's the thing. It comes down to the offensive line. And uh, it's it's obviously not the same team that you spoke about. But everybody's hyping the Cleveland Browns to the moon and stars about being the best offense of all time. Their offensive line is actually kind of in shambles as well. Um, They gave away Zeitler for a washed-up defensive end to my New York Giants. Pretty excited about it. And I think this kind of ties up the episode because each one of us has had conviction. And we've talked about it from the inaugural episode of the Fantasy Fam. I'm a true believer. I support it with action. I draft my players. I think it's as simple as that. There comes this negative connotation that goes with with reaching in some fantasy circles. Um, I prefer to say it's being aggressive and going after the players that you believe in. It's as simple as that. Do I believe in value-based drafting? Of course, but something to point out. Let's say you draft second in the 12-man league, right? You're going to get someone with big time upside with your first pick. You don't pick again until the 23rd and 26th pick overall. Sounds awful. It's crazy. It's a waiting game, and you don't pick again until the 47th and the 50th pick. That's a huge gap, and I think when I'm not in that situation, I love seeing guys just follow the rankings as per – whichever site you're using, because of, then I, get, I I see players that I don't really want to come flying off the board. So it's a waiting game. This is what I actually do. And I, and it helps me helps me more as the draft goes on, I think, because ultimately you can't wait for every player you like. You have, you have to snatch them up. They're not going to be there. They are not going to be there. And plus watching and rooting for players that you believe in is so much more fun than settling for, for someone that outsiders think has upside. But who cares? So I look at the list of players available when I pick and I'm try to imagine all right, who might be there out of the next 20, 25 picks, right? Because by the time my picks up, that guy might be gone. So even if he's at the end of the list, if I believe he's going to be a top five, top 10 asset, I mean, I'm not going to leave it up to the fantasy gods and pray that no one else draft him. No, that's not conviction. I think you need to take a shot. Go for it. Grab, grab the guys that you, that you like.
2: Which, which also, I mean, goes into the league that you're in as well. You don't, you don't know how these guys are going to draft. I mean, I've talked to some people and the guy was like, oh yeah, you know, I took big Ben with my first pick in the first round one year. And I'm like, what, why would you do that? Cause I wanted a good quarterback and I'm like, okay, man, that's great. So it really, I mean, it also depends on the league too, I think. Cause you never know that like, cause like sometimes you could be looking at a guy and you're like, all right, you know what? I'm not going to pick him. A whole round goes by and he's still back there and you're just like, oh crap. You know? So maybe it was meant to be.
0: And to the point of that is you have to be fluid. I hinted at that. I foreshadowed at that, that earlier. Adapt-
2: Adaptability.
0: Because it's an ever-evolving cluster to say that bends the knee to no man. That, that is a fantasy football draft. Yeah, you have a strategy, you have conviction, and you go after it. But you're going to have to be ready to throw your strategy out the window after round one because if anything's true, it's that that nothing's really true. Nothing's predictable, right? So similar to predicting stats for, for fantasy, essentially. There's no, there's no perfect science. And I think one key example, just to reiterate, we talked about last year, I, I believed in the Chicago Bears and the offense and Swaggy Nagy coming to take over. Tariq Cohen, 14-man league. I thought he had potential. Um, he was going around the 80th overall pick in a 14-man draft, mind you. So when I came with my 50th pick, there was a chance that he might not be there. Do I risk it? Of course not. I drafted him. He finished RB11, which was well worth it. I'm not going to get into too many other specific players today because I have my college friends draft on Friday. We're welcoming a new elite member, Willis Team Gahee, the III, Esquire. Big ups to the Fantastical, the Squirrels, the Wiseman Clambake. And a former member was, was actually thrown out unceremoniously. And I've had some requests to discuss this. That's awful. Um, which we will sounds during terrible. another episode. Because that could, be, that could be a challenge for you and for your friends in any, in any league. So if you're in that
2: situation, right?
0: It could be terrible. And I, and I figured that you guys would go for a, a stats-driven argument, which, I mean, you both did a phenomenal job, and it's essential when you're talking about fantasy football, right? I, I kind of want it to be a little more cerebral, more behind the psychology of drafting. So hopefully you guys took, took something, maybe from each of us or one of us, that, that you believe in and that you can follow, and you can find us at thefantasyfam.com or on Twitter at thefantasyfam. We're on most podcast platforms, including iTunes. This is The Fantasy Fam signing off.